Mel, and you're listening to my Rough Draft podcast, where we talk about embracing our current seasons of faith, work, and wholeness. As a part of the Rough Draft Collective, we are committed to the holistic growth of millennial men and women, and each week we'll discuss how to redefine history with our everyday stories. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to my Road Draft Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed the last few weeks of our mini job searching series. So this week we are, ta- we are taking things for a little turn. Um, as promised, we are going to have more interviews this year. So today we are starting our very first interview series of the year. As I talked about in season one, my Road Draft isn't just about me sharing my experience and my resources, but it's also about sharing the stories of the everyday person. Today, I have my dear friend, my line sister. Her name is Julia. And today we're going to be talking about how she navigates her career in a male-dominated industry, how she navigates living out her purpose on the daily, despite being sometimes in remote locations away from friends and family due to the nature of her job, and also how she kind of navigates different unexpected turns in her life, and including loss. And so we're going to talk through all of that today. And so without further ado, let's take a listen to today's conversation with Thank you. Hi, Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me, Mel. Thank you for being here. Uh, I really, truly appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us. When I was first thinking through, like, even before I started the podcast and was thinking through, like, planning, I was like, I know I have to bring Julia on here. And... <laughs> That was like months ago. So I'm glad that we finally made this happen, that I finally got myself together and was like, all right, let's bring Julia on for real. So I'm glad you're here. So before we get into the meat of today's episode, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself, maybe just the basis, where you're from, what you're doing, where you at? Okay. Well, like she said, my name is Julia. Um, I currently work for a general contractor construction company based out of Birmingham. But I'm currently working on a hospital renovation in Alamogordo, New Mexico. I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama. Went to Auburn, War Eagle. War Eagle. So and that's where I met Mel. And yeah. You said you in Alamogordo. <laughs> yeah, I had never heard of it either before I got assigned to be here. It is about an hour and a half north of El Paso, Texas. And I think about three hours south of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. (laughs) Middle of nowhere, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, okay. So that's a little bit about where you are in your career. So tell me, and we're going to go back to that, but tell me a little bit. So one of the original questions that I always ask podcast guests is talk a little bit about where you are in your current season of faith, of life. We already talked about career, um, but, or even like your purpose, like where are you? How are you? It doesn't have to be perfect answer, but just give us a real snapshot into what's going on in your life right now with your faith, purpose, et cetera. Um, well, with my faith, I would say that I'm in a good place. You can always be better, of course, but I'm in a really good place right now. Um, I would say God is the only person that I talk to every single day. Um, and I try to make sure it's like a conversation between us and I'm talking to him and then I'm letting him talk back and then I'm actually listening and listening to those convictions. 
um, I try to read my Bible or some kind of devotional something so I can hear back from him every single day. It does get hard, you know, working all day, but I really try to make that a, a good point to do every single day. As far as purpose, I feel like my purpose is to help and inspire those who are trying to enter or just entering a field that they're going into that people don't really look like them and they feel like, you know, maybe I'm the underdog or, you know, I'm not going to be respected. You know, I'm a prime example of you can do it if you work hard. You can be successful. You can be respected. You can enjoy it. You can do it. It's not going to be easy to break through that barrier, but if you really want to, it's there. You can do it. And, you know, all you have to do is just let God have the reins and take you where he wants you to go. And if he wants you to be there, then nothing's going to be able to stop. So I think that's a part of my purpose. I think there's probably more, but that's what God has revealed to me right now. And I'm so glad you said that because I was actually just like one of the clients or potential clients I'm about to work with. She, and when you were talking about like being in spaces where like you're the only one that looks like you, I was just working with or getting ready to work with someone who is trying to enter like the commercial real estate industry. And she is like a black female, like trying to enter a white, older male dominated industry. And so that's like the first person that I can think of that comes to mind. But I think it's really unique. You know, you have like the typical career paths, but I think it's always so cool when people take like different paths that people really don't know about. Because for me, especially when you get into college and things like that, like you only think about like engineers, nurses, like the typical jobs that people would think of, but there are so many opportunities out there that we don't know about. Um, And so I'm really interested in hearing that story today. So you talked a little bit about like being a general contractor, but like, what does that mean for people who don't know like what that is and kind of describe like your day-to-day functions in your role? So general contracting means I work for the company that is responsible for building your commercial buildings. I work for a commercial contracting company. So your hotels, your sports complexes. um, We also have a healthcare side, which I've kind of, you know, kind of moved into right now. But when you look at a building, a structure, apartment complex, it doesn't just happen overnight. Like, you know, they could be planning that for up to a year on just, you know, where to put it, how many apartments we want, or how many rooms we want in that hotel. And then once all that is decided and once those blueprints are drawn, it it has to actually, you know, happen. So I work for the company that makes that happen. Like we are the ones who break ground, who build it, and then make sure when it opens, you know, it's not leaking, the air works, stuff like that. So um, what I do every day really just depends on the phase of the job we're in. When I was in Panama City, and we were building hotels, I would do anything from, you know, when we would be pouring concrete slabs, being there at, you know, 3 a.m., making sure that the right right concrete was in the truck. So, you know, the slab would be strong enough to, you know, hold these 25 stories or whatever. When the concrete would be done, I'd be in charge of what's called blocking. That's making sure that you have something inside of that wall where if you want to go hang a picture or mount your TV, So I was in charge of kind of laying that out for the shower rods, the grab bars, your typical accessories in the bathroom to make sure, you know, as 
you know, little old lady grabbed on that grab bar trying to get in and out of the shower. She's not going to fall down or pull it out the wall. So in the current hospital that I work in now, um, it's a functioning hospital. This is not a new build. So there are doctors, patients, nurses, everybody in there. So, you know, part of our job is to make sure we are doing what's called infection control, making sure that the construction it's not interfering with the health of the patients. Like I said, it really just depends on what phase we're in to determine what I'm doing every day. So I was writing down some of the stuff that you were saying because I feel like what you do is like a whole sermon. Like, okay, you get the blueprints, you lay out the blueprint, you map out what you're trying to do, you're strategic about the placement, you're strategic about where it needs to go, what all it needs to entail. Then you start building, you gotta make sure everything is right, you gotta make sure you lay the right foundation. You got to, while you're also laying the big stuff, you also have to be mindful of the small stuff. So it's like you have to be careful about the details. And that, that just speaks to me, how we have to lay out the blueprint. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm about to take up an offering. How you can write the blueprint, you start building, you lay in the big stuff foundation, but you don't negate the small details that mm-hmm. people miss. And then you have to, once it's done, you have to constantly maintain control, check for errors. Come on. And see, one thing that I will add to that, something that a lot of people don't always realize is that you can have a perfect team, perfect schedule, perfect everything. You're still going to run into problems. Yeah. You still have to find a way to make sure that through those problems, you don't lose control of the situation. Because you still have an end goal. And even if that means you got to work later, even if that means you got to come in earlier, deal with people you don't want to deal with, people who don't respect you, you still have an end goal. So you still have to find a way to navigate through all those problems. You know, regardless of what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> gonna, even when you have the perfect plan, you still gonna run into problems. Girl, we can start this whole podcast. <laughs> we can start this whole thing. <laughs> so, that's what you do in your day to day. Yes. And pretty much live out a whole sermon of our entire lives. <laughs> um so, okay, so then segue into that a little bit. So, like we talked about before, you do work in construction essentially, which is like typically an all male dominated industry. And so, with you, you know, being some, somewhat of a leader for your project, not just as a young professional, but also as a black, you know, female. How do you navigate your workspace, especially, you know, being such a minority? Do you deal with like any prejudice, whether that's like ageism, sexism, racism, people just trying to like discredit you? Like, how do you navigate tough conversations? And one thing y'all don't know about Julie is that Julie is like one of the nicest people, (laughs) nicest people in the world. And so like, walk us through um, like how you assert yourself and how like you kind of show up on the workplace? Well, I will say that I have been fortunate enough to, I have not experienced any ageism. Like, I think I'm just fortunate and I thank God for that. But I think a big part of the ageism is that one thing that I realized early on and that I tell my interns is that you're going to be working with subcontractors who are, subcontractors are people who specialize in something. So electricians, plumbers, uh, concrete workers, A lot of these older guys who are normally, you know, Caucasian have been doing this longer than you've been alive. I've come across that. I'm not even 30. 
So one thing you have to realize is that you have to show them respect. You can do your job without them, but they can always go be a plumber or be an electrician somewhere else. Like I need you to make this job happen. So I make sure that I let them know I'm not here to tell you what to do, to micromanage you. I'm here for you. If you need me, if someone's in your way, if the schedule's not working for you, then you come to me, we work it out. Like we're a team. And I try to make sure that all the guys I work with understand that, you know, we're a team. So I think that's really helped me with not having any problems in that area. And then having to assert myself, I said, you were always going to run into some people who just are difficult to work with. But again, you have to remember you have an end goal. This is a business. And if you want to be successful, sometimes you have to have those those tough conversations. But if you don't have them up front or early on, you could potentially cause a much bigger problem. But you kind of just have to not be timid and just be like, okay, we're going to go ahead and nip this in the bud or just go for it. You got to just do it. Um, And like do it and be respectful. Even when you're not getting that same respect that you think you should, that you deserve or that you're even giving. Because again, you have an end goal. You're not just, you know, I'm not just representing myself. I'm representing my team at that job, representing my entire company. And if I want to move up or get a raise or get a bonus, I got to keep it professional. Even when sometimes I may not want to be professional. (laughs) So respecting people's strengths, keeping the end goal in mind, knowing who you represent and keeping it professional. I love it. Yeah. Like people can apply that to any area because I work, you know, I work on a very diverse team. I am the youngest one. Um, and I've, even in my prior workplaces, I've always been the youngest person, but I've never been in like any type of male dominated really kind of area. But, um, but even sometimes when, when working with women, you know, it can be hard to assert yourself, especially, you know, when you may have like a nicer person personality, you may be dealing with people who have more, um, what's the word, more aggressive personalities or just dealing with this different personalities in general, like you're forced to have tough conversations. And I think that that's so important to know who you represent. Of course, we work as onto guys, so we want to know who we're representing. Right. And I love how you say like, keep it professional, keep it classy, um, you know, and keeping the end goal in mind. At the end of the day, this is where I'm trying to get to. This is where I'm trying mm-hmm. to go. So I'm not about to let this small um, issue with this person, you know, get in the way. So sometimes in order to get rid of that issue, you just got to have that tough conversation. And that's something that I'm, I'm currently learning. So thank you for saying that. That helped me. Moving then, um, like you said, you are in Alba. Albuquerque. Alamogordo. Alamogordo. It's fine. Like I said, I had never heard of it before I got that phone call in November saying I was coming. So it's going to take some getting used to. I'll, I'll, okay, I'm just going to stop trying. So you live in New Mexico. Oh, yes. From Alabama. And yes. even before you moved to New Mexico, you were also in Florida, which was, of course, you were by the beach, but you were still, like, away from family and friends. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times, like, especially millennials, myself even, like, we think, like, okay, I got to move to a new city. I got to, you know, do me and live my best life. But I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what that really means, like, to be away from friends and family. And so kind of walk me through, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, God is the only person that you talk through, talk to every day. Um, And so walk me through, like, how you realistically deal with that on a day-to-day basis. Like, do you experience loneliness? How do you stay in touch? 
Um, how do you still try to live out your purpose when you are in the, in those more remote areas where you may not have the community to like help you in the, in that area? So how do you navigate that? No perfect answer needed. <laughs> um, well, I'll start off by saying um, I have been in Florida for um, four years. And so my managers were like, you know, it's time for you to go somewhere else. And I kind of agreed. I was kind of over living in Panama City Beach. So they had presented an opportunity for me to go to Denver, Colorado. And at first I said no, because I was like, that's just too far. Like, um, you know, I want to stay in the Southeast. Then I just felt really convicted from the moment I said no. And I went home and I thought about it and I was like, okay, is it going to be that bad? And I prayed about it and I was like, clearly if it's this hard on my heart, I should really consider it. So after I would say about maybe a week, I called my manager back and I said, you know, I, I really thought about it and I will go to Colorado if you want me to. He was like, well, I appreciate that, but tell me why. And I was like, well, you know, there's no point in me holding myself back. Like, I would never have a reason to go if I, you know, wasn't working for y'all. Y'all gave me this opportunity. Um, you know, I'm ready to go if y'all have me. Going to Denver was going to be the furthest I've ever been from home. And yes, it was going to be a little nerve wracking, but it was a big city. Um, I had found that well, I had been looking at churches, looking at grad chapters for our sorority. So I was like, you know, it'll be fine. And I was like, God wouldn't present this to me and convict me so hard if it wasn't going to be something that would be good for me. I don't know. That was maybe like in March or April of last year, 2019. November of 2019, so a couple months ago, I found out we lost that job. And I was like, one, I was upset because I was excited about moving to Denver. But then two, I was extremely nervous because I was like, this means my placement is completely up for grabs. And I've already committed to traveling a far distance. So there's no telling where I can end up. And in short notice, I was like, okay, all right, God, you took Denver away. That's fine. I don't really do snow anyway. So wherever my, my manager places me, I'm going to go because I know that means you want me there. So I just, you know, I was like, but you know, I pray it's a good place, pray that I like it, I can make friends, but regardless, I'm going to go. So when I got that call to go to Alamogordo, New Mexico, I was like, what? What, Jesus? We had just said it. <laughs> we had just, you know, I thought we was on the same page, but you know, because actually my manager called me before, a couple of days before that and was like, where would you like to go? And I was like, see, that's going to be great. Gave them some options like, you know, North Carolina, Charlotte, um, Orlando, Tampa, Birmingham or Huntsville where we have jobs. I know people in these places and those are like big cities. So when I got the call to go to New Mexico, I was like, dang it. And my manager did tell me, he was like, you know, if you don't want to go there, then I can try to place you somewhere else. But this is where I think you would really, you would really learn a lot. And then I instantly thought, myself you told God you would go where he sent you so I was like I'll go I don't need to think about it I don't need no time go ahead and tell the other manager I'm gonna go when do you need me there he was like I appreciate that blah blah you're going to Alamogordo of course I looked it up there's nothing there I was like well I'm going so came out here there's, I mean, there's nothing here. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no Target. There's no Publix. It's, it's a little rough. But um, 
I'm here. And it is hard to relocate somewhere where you don't know anybody. And at least in Panama City, I was within driving distance of home, I mean, three hours from home. And it can be rough. I know that when I first came out here and realized, like, okay, you're really here, I about had a panic attack. Because I, I took some time off of work and I was just like, I really am this far. Like, home is not close. No one is close to me. I don't know anybody here. I don't know anybody within three hours of me. Luckily, I know someone three hours away, but it was just, it was a lot on me. And I, I just had to remember, okay, like, you said you would come here and God's not going to put you somewhere for you not to be successful. So it was like, okay, you just need to calm down, trust in what you're doing and go back to work. So you're not just in at home and everything will be okay. <laughs> so it did get better when I went to work and met some people. But like I said, it does get hard when you're somewhere, you feel like you're kind of isolated. You just have to keep a good support system around you. Um, luckily, I have amazing friends who check in on me, who call me, who text me, keep in contact with me. Same thing with my my family. Again, like you just kind of need people to still want to check up on you and talk to you even when you're so far. Definitely stay prayed up and stay close to God because, again, he's not going to put you somewhere where you're not going to be successful. He didn't say it wasn't going to be rough because it is rough, but it's doable. It's not impossible. Yeah. Let me tell you something, y'all. Julia is a real Christian. Okay. <laughs> she she got some faith out of this world. <laughs> I be cussing. I be like, you know what? Actually, I'm not going where you thought I was going to go. Actually, I didn't mean what I said. Sorry. I mean, oh. honest, like, <laughs> oh, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. saved. And I I guess, I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, God, sometimes he puts us in very uncomfortable situations. Like currently I'm doing like the Bible in the year. And I was just reading before this podcast, like about Joseph, not to make this super churchy, but like about Joseph and about like all the unexpected turns that he took and things like mm-hmm. that and how God restored it and made it all well in the end. But listen, again, I don't know if I'm there yet, but, you know, but it has to be exciting to like be in that place where you like have no choice but to lean on God, you Mm -hmm. know, for safety, for protection, for companionship. And so God going to bless you real good. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Um, But okay, so that can actually segue into another kind of sector of the podcast that we were going to go into. So you thought you were going to go somewhere. It took an unexpected turn. Now you're in, not the middle of nowhere, but come on. You're in the on the edge of nowhere. <laughs> on, the edge, on the edge of nowhere. So what I, the question I was going to ask after this was walk me through some, some of those maybe unexpe- other unexpected turns that you may have experienced in life and how some of the lessons that you've learned from those situations. We'll start there. Ooh, okay. 2010, no, I, you could not have paid me enough to, to, for me to believe that I was not only going to be working in construction, but I'd be living in New Mexico. Like that was never part of the plan that I had for myself. Like that was 2010, I was probably like a sophomore in college and my original major was engineering, computer engineering, because I liked computers. So I was on graduating four years be married by the time I was like 25, have a kid by the time I'm like 27 and be, you know, working in one city, doing whatever. 
well, you know, nine to five, whatever, you know, just that. And that is not at all what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I ended up hating engineering and finding my way into building science and liking it a lot. And Panama City was actually my first assignment after college. Went there, did the first job. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go somewhere else. Because I really wasn't feeling Panama City even then after two years. And then I got the phone call where you're going to stay because we have another project coming up right at the end of that one. And I, I know I talked to you about this. And I was like, Mel, I'm so upset. Why is God keeping me here? And you told me he's got to be keeping you there for a purpose. It's got to be a reason if he knows how much you don't want to be there. And I'm really thankful that I was in Panama City because, again, I was so close to home. And my father actually passed away in early 2018. And if I had been, you know, in South Florida or in Colorado, I would not have gotten to him in time. Like, I was able to get home. Uh, I left at, like, noon. I was able to see him. Or he was in the hospital around 5 p.m. We could communicate a little bit. We went to sleep that night. And the next morning, he couldn't communicate anymore. But had I missed that opportunity, I wouldn't have been able to tell him I loved him, for him to see that I'm here supporting him. So just for that reason alone, I'm so glad I was able to be there. But like I said, like we just said, I was so upset about having to be there. But it just, again, it shows you God already knows why he's keep doing what he's doing. You got to just trust in that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, life just, it throws you twists and turns and you got to be flexible. You got to be malleable. You got to be able to bend and not break because that was a really, really hard time when my dad died and it could have broken me, but thank God it didn't. So, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for being honest. Um, of course, so sorry, you know, for your loss, of course. Um, I can't imagine. And like I said, Julie, you are so, I mean, I just know this because I know her personally, but <laughs> she's so strong. She is just so uplifting and it just makes me almost emotional because it's like, man like to be like you said to to have that unexpected turn of not being where you want to be as far as location wise and then god you're not you're not where you want to be and then god like almost putting these things on top like you know the loss of your father and then you know on top of you know still of course it was a blessing because you could be there but it was still i'm sure hard to deal with and like you said it almost broke you and then on top of that you know being in that scene and on top of that you know dealing with these unexpected turns with your career like i this wasn't even on my i'm sorry i'm trying not to get emotional but this wasn't even on my like questions or whatever but like how how do you maintain that relationship with God or like in those moments where you thought you were about to break, like what brought you back to him? Have you been in those moments? I know that you're strong now um, and you're kind of almost probably used to it now to these unexpected turns. But like when you're in it, like for somebody who's currently in it, currently mad with God, currently not understanding, like how did you like practically pull out of that? You know, I would say that I have, I was raised by two great parents who taught me early on, like, you know, you don't turn away from God when things get hard. I wasn't always, you know, this close to him. Like, of course, I feel like, you know, we grew up in church and we kind of go off on our own and see, you know, like kind of figure out that relationship ourselves. You know, I've just, I've just seen 
so many different things. And it's like, if you don't stay close to him, you, you really going to lose your mind. It's like, you just trying to deal with it all on your own. It's just, it's not fair to yourself when you have someone who said, give me your burdens and let me, let me hurt for you. You rest and let me take this on. You have someone that's willing to do that for you, yet you want to just hold it on yourself. That's not fair to you. And of course, I mean, that just comes with life experience and wanting to grow and prune that relationship and trusting that even when things aren't going my way, that it, there's a purpose behind it. It just, you know, it just takes that faith that we all hear about. It's like, you know, and I know I talk about it a lot. It's like, well, I can't just talk about it and not live it myself. You know, when my dad died, I was like, it was so unexpected too. Like literally I got a phone call when I was at work and I, like I said, I had a couple of hours to talk to him. He went to sleep and then he was in ICU the next day. It was like, why would you let this happen? My mom is devastated. My brother is broken. Like, and I, my family is everything to me. And just to see them hurt, I think more so I was like, why would you do this to them? You know, they see him and spend time with him every day. Like, and they, you know, lean on me for strength too, but I'm not here. I'm in Florida. Like, why? Like, and then, you know, I, just for him to, you know, not go quickly. He was, you know, in the hospital. I'm sure he was in pain. It's like, why is he suffering? Like, why? And then, you know, we all go through it, failed relationships. When you think you found the one and you haven't, it's like, God, why? You know, especially when I asked you, like I went to you and I was like, okay, is this for me? Because I don't want nothing that's not from you. But, you know, it doesn't work out. And you're over here heartbroken. And it's like, why? Why am I going through this? I try to be a good person. I pray all the time. Why? But then it's like you have to come back and compose yourself and remember God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Like, those heartbreaks are going to teach me to appreciate the person that he does have for me. And my dad not being here, you know, some things we'll just never understand. Like, I, of course, I'll never understand that, but everyone has their time. And it was unfortunately just his time at a time when I thought it was too early. Um, you kind of just have to accept things like that. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and say, I'm, you know, oh, I'm this, I have all the faith in the world. I'm perfect. No. There are still times and I'm still like, God, are you sure I'm supposed to be out in Gordo? Like, really? <laughs> but I'm here. So there's got to be a reason. Wow. 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 <laughs> I am speechless. <laughs> like, I feel like it's in those situations where you really fully understand that, like, God is God and I am not. And, like, mm-hmm. you understand that, like, okay, his ways are not our ways. His, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But then it's like in situations like that where things take unexpected turns and you literally have no control and you have to make the choice as to whether or not you're going to follow God when you don't have control, when you don't understand, when you're probably angry at him or if you're going to try to regain your control and go on your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a decision that that honestly I have to make more, more times than I would like to admit. But... We all will. We all do. Yeah, that's so good. You thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing that. Um, 
thank you because you did not have to. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Okay, so this is a question that's not on this. It wasn't on our list. Y'all, we are going all, all off script and we're probably over time. I haven't even looked at the time. But um, so what did or what does healing look like from you, whether it's from failed relationships, whether it was from the loss of your father, for people who are listening to this and are experienced heartbreak and feel like, you know, why God, why is God doing this? Or am I being punished? Or saying like, okay, I want to get past this, but I don't know how, like what does healing, what, what did healing and what does healing look like for you? Um, well, personally, this is just for me, because like you said, everyone has to handle things and heal and grieve their their own way. Um, for me to get over the loss of my father, actually, you know, me and him, we had a decent, we had a good relationship. It wasn't the best, and I did have a lot of anger, not only because he passed away, but because of some other things too. And what helped me get over that and really move forward was going to therapy. I'm not someone who always thought I needed it. But I did realize at a certain point, it was like, okay, you need to go talk to somebody about this because this is not healthy. Bar is going through some failed relationships. You kind of just have to let yourself go through it. You know, you have to cry when you want to cry. You have to talk to your friends and vent and let it out. And thank God for good friends who will let you get it out so that you don't end up texting him a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, a novel, you hear me? Ooh, listen. <laughs> I kind of just let myself grieve. I let myself be sad without contacting him because I knew it wasn't going to like help with anything. So I just had to let myself feel it. And I was looking forward to where I am now, where it's like, I'm okay that we don't talk. I'm I'm happy. I'm fine that we're not together. You know, now that the smoke is clear, the dust is settled. It's a good thing we aren't together. So with therapy, did you do it in person or did you do online? I did it in person. Um, I personally like the face-to-face, like physical interaction with people. Mm-hmm. That's what I prefer. And my therapist actually told me she preferred that too, because you know you can see body language, or you can see you could just see more and get more of a vibe when you're face-to-face as opposed to when you're video chatting or just like texting or on the phone. Was it a Christian therapist or not? She she herself was a Christian. And we had talked about faith, but I, she did not advertise, you know, like this is a Christian healing place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. The reason why I ask is, let me tell y'all, I'm going to do a separate podcast episode, but I really want to know, maybe y'all should email me or like DM me on Instagram. I'm trying to think through like, is it best? Because I have gone to therapy twice. Once was not a Christian therapist, but knew something about faith. Other one was a Christian therapist. Um, And now I'm kind of like, okay, I really do need to stop starting and stopping and just be consistent because, you know, my mind be everywhere. But I went to a Christian therapist my last go around towards the end of last year. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it because I I really wanted to get like, maybe I just didn't go to the right one, but I really wanted to get like a biblical perspective on it. But it was almost as if it was too much. Like, I'm I'm telling you, like, these are things that that I'm dealing with. And you're kind of like, well we need to pray or, or we need this. this oh, okay. They're giving me like a story in the Bible. And it's like, yeah, I know that story, but this, you know, this is still what I'm dealing with and not, I don't know, not addressing the root and just not, not being very clinical. I mean, I work in healthcare. So it's like, it just wasn't really clinically based. It was more so just like us talking and like, 
it was more of like a coach more so than it was, mm-hmm. you know, and so I always mm-hmm. ask people like, if they do do therapy, because I know a lot of people that also do online therapy. I know people that, you know, do Christian counseling. It works for them. And again, that was just my one experience, but other people don't. And, and I just like to hear both, both, both points of view. But anyway, um, okay. So you went to therapy, mm-hmm. you settle. And so that's how you did essentially your work. And so segue in, I don't know what time we at y'all, but we're going to wrap this thing up. A random question. So you do your work. What are, you've done your work, you've healed. So now moving forward in 2020, you're in a new city. Um, what are some of your goals? If you'd like to share some of them, what are your some of your goals for 2020 or even for the next decade? So I don't think I've like set any, well, no, that's not true. So for 2020, more so like for February, I really want a healthier lifestyle. There's you know, moving out here and, you know, working full time and taking care of this new dog. Sometimes I kind of just like, I don't cook as much as I should. I don't work out. I haven't worked out in like months. So I want to get that together for sure. Cause that's just really not me. But you know, I want to get promoted at work. I feel like um, it's not quite time, but almost time. I know I need to do some work on that. So I'm going to push myself to learn more and to soak in more so that hopefully this time next year or before I'll be able to get promoted. Yeah, I just want to, you know, keep diving in deeper to what my purpose is. Like I said, I feel like my purpose is just to help those who just want to be inspired by someone who's in a field that is not what they would consider the norm for them or what somebody else might not consider the norm for them. I love to help people. I love to be a blessing to others, make people happy and smile. But I feel like there's more. So I want to keep getting, you know, diving into what that more is. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ju. Um, So for those of you who may, you know, want to ask you more questions or really were just inspired by her story and want to reach out to her, Julia, tell us where we can find you. If you want us to find you, if you don't want us to find you, then... (laughs) Yes, fine. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on social media um, on Instagram at just underscore Julia, J-U-L-Y-A. Or you can find me on Facebook at Julia Welch. Well, thank you, Julia. I love you so much. People I love are you. so blessed by this. Um, I hope so. And I'm just truly, 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 truly thankful. So that is going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see y'all next week. I love y'all. Thanks for joining us this week on My Rough Draft Podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore Melanie Christina. And be sure to subscribe to this show so you don't miss any new episodes. Now, do me a favor and please leave Leave us a five-star rating and review so we can continue to get the word out to other listeners around the world. Also, be sure to head to the roughdraftcollective.com where you can access our online blog, free resources, our one-on-one services, and more. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see y'all next week. Bye.